Back in just a moment, this is Atlanta Chiefs soccer. soccer. Penalty area. Let's see. There's an argument going on. Goalkeeper cannot move until that ball is kicked. Here it comes. To die, to sleep, to sleep perchance to dream, ah, there's the rub. For in that sleep of death what dreams may come, must give us pause. Oh, when we have shuffled off this mortal coil, must give us pause, there's the respect that makes calamity of so long life. Is it That's the, Hamlet. The, uh, <laughs> I just is felt it, it was appropriate for this morning. It, yeah, I was going to say, does that, does that beautiful piece of poetry come with an explanation? It summarizes my feelings about the U.S. men's national team, and I, I know that you all have probably heard a lot about this. Maybe you haven't, but we're going to rehash it a little yeah, bit, unfortunately. Give us our chance. I mean, wow, what a disappointment we have to discuss today. And while Ethan, you know, I'm literally physically sitting farther away from you yeah, than you I are. ever have you before. Are. I'm having trouble seeing you. This is kind of bizarre. One of the microphones in the studio today was acting up, and we're separated by a vast divide. And I feel like that's <laughs> metaphorical, you know? Yeah. These are truly <laughs> dark times. We are truly in the darkest timeline. We, we are, absolutely, without a doubt. Um. I mean, I know we're just gonna go ahead and exchange blows here. You wanna, you wanna, you wanna rip into them first. Yeah, and just for anyone who, for some reason, isn't aware, you're part of the problem. <laughs> yeah, the U.S. men's national team lost to Trinidad and Tobago on Tuesday. They only needed a draw. That is correct to qualify for the World Cup, and all sorts of weird stuff happened. Everything that could go wrong was, elsewhere did go wrong in the other games. And we did not qualify for the World Cup. Mm -hmm. Next summer, we will not be present. And it's hard to overstate how much of a calamity this is. Absolutely. Um, I, I want to bring this debate back down to earth a little bit, though, and introduce a bit of sanity, which is not to say I'm not livid, because I am. Uh, I won't pretend to have the resume or the experience that most <laughs> professional pundits have but i do have experience with the american youth soccer system which right. is the bedrock of any right, federation right, right but i'll touch on that in a second first how did this bizarre situation become possible you know and let's not mince words last tuesday was bizarre mm -hmm. um beyond their abysmal play a lot of mechanisms conspired to eliminate the u.s an equalizer in panama that never even crossed the line should not have been allowed to be a goal a freak own goal that ricocheted off a uh, the Mexican keeper Ochoa's head, mm -hmm. which gave Honduras the lead. Alvin Jones for Trinidad and Tobago scored the goal of his life on what proved to be the winner. He'll never score that again. I mean, the universe had a vendetta against the U.S. It did not want us to be in Russia. It could even be a conspiracy. Mm -hmm. You don't know. Mm -hmm. But a chorus of voices have already bemoaned this situation and reminded everyone that, yeah, that's good. Lady Luck fails everyone eventually. But we should have never been in this situation in the first place, which is a sentiment I agree with. We should have locked up the World Cup spot a long time ago. Uh, but now that the sirens are sour sounding, I, I really caution against taking too alarmist of an approach. And I've often said that the constant turnover of managers in soccer and you know, really in any sport in the modern era is to the detriment of clubs. 
And I don't know what Bruce Arena had going on in that locker room, and I'm, I'm not even really advocating for him staying on. But, you know, is he really the crux of the problem? Is it worth letting him develop a system? And Grant Wall just wrote in Sports Illustrated about how usually national team coaches do worse their second time around, and this is Arena's second tenure at the helm. But I don't know, is it, is it worth letting them develop a really fleshed-out system? Really, my opinion's meaningless. He's gone no matter what. Um, Galati will be gone as well. Sunil Galati, who's the president of U.S. Soccer. In February, there's new elections. There's no way he gets reelected. Um, but really, they're just the tip of the iceberg. U.S. Soccer is rotten to the core, and the core is player development. And I grew up playing in a recreational league, which I'm, I'm sure you did as well. Right, and I was going to hint yeah. on that as well. Um, well, yeah, there's just there were a lot of economically disadvantaged kids that would play there. And many of them ran circles around the rest of us. But fast forward to high school, and guys like you and me, who were fortunate enough to receive quality coaching in a competitive environment, are light years ahead of them. Um, without having their tactical knowledge developed and, and their game coddled, they couldn't cut it in a full 11 at all. And, you know, now meet them back out at Silverbacks in a five-a-side game, and their, their natural instinct is going to shine through. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, did, they had no resources, and this has to change. And I, I won't profess to having the exact answer, but meaningful steps need to be taken to extend the franchise of soccer to low-income American youth. And that we, I've got a stat pulled up right in front of me um, that someone just tweeted out. And I, I get, would love to get your thoughts on this. Only 5% of families making under $25,000 have their children playing soccer. It's just way too expensive of a sport. There's way too much travel involved. It's not only a fiscal commitment, it's a, it's a time commitment. You know? So... This starts by the U.S. getting its head out of the sand and asserting its, our presence on the world stage by acknowledging our shortcomings, but also at the highest level, being proud to wear that badge every time they step out on the pitch. And by pundits not deferring this success to the future. Every time a player or a coach or a commentator says, oh, we're five to ten years away from being dominant, it stifles the belief. And America has the talent. It definitely has the resources. Our time needs to be now. And I honestly think this is the systematic shock we need. And we absolutely have to seize seize this regrettable moment and use it for good. Yeah. And I 100% agree with pretty much everything that you said, although my approach will be a little less subtle. Um, I I don't really, like, yeah, it was a lucky goal for Panama as well as Honduras. The pitch was was not in great condition. There are a lot of factors, but the the core argument is that they're losing to the last place team in the hex to qualify for a World Cup. I was telling you before the day the U.S. lost to Belgium. That day, the 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 next thing that I'm thinking of is oh, I get to watch them compete in four years down the line and I get to see them compete in a World Cup. It's it's ridiculous. Regardless of all of the fortuity with the goals and whatnot, if this doesn't spark an entirely revamped youth soccer system in the United States, then we're just accepting the stagnation that we're currently 100%. at. It's like you said, it starts from the ground up 
and the pay to play simply does not cut it. Just like you said, I've played in the U system as well, and the politics exist. When you pay to play, impressive play is not the only incentive for coaches to put you on the pitch. Exactly. There is so much other considerations. Yes, BS, to put it lightly, that goes around all of that. Take note, and I know if any of you who are just looking for something to ease your sorrow, listen to... uh, I believe his first name is Taylor Twellman. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a uh, broadcaster. Former player. Yeah, former player as well for the U.S. men's national team. And he absolutely hits it on the head. Um, but I got this from him. Just take note of Germany's 10-year plan in which they got together, Bundesliga, all their second division leagues as well. And they said, hey, we are going to change the environment across this country for the U system we are going to revamp it and we're going to win a world cup in 10 years and they did exactly that and i'm not sitting here saying that there's a secret world cup formula or that the united states mirrors german efficiency in <laughs> any in any aspect but, to I, do. but right but i will say just go back to the core matter that A loss at the hands of a last place Trinidad side is unacceptable. And for all those you once every four years soccer fans, I hope this is a wake-up call that you don't get to sit down and watch your World Cup team compete for that one summer so you can go out to the Buckhead bars and, and have fun and do the whole big soccer experience for one summer. You are part of the problem. We need to see people more involved, more upset that this didn't, that this didn't come to fruition that we don't see our teams in the world cup if we want success we have to put in the work top down simple as that i i agree 100 percent agree and i and i like that you're calling out the fairweather fans and you can't necessarily convince anyone to like a sport fully i guess absolutely but not. At, but at the same time there needs to be a hunger there and I think we might have talked about this before off the air. The U.S. press, the sports press in America, um, the punditry needs to call out the national team. Right. And, right. and hold them to a higher standard. And that's why I loved what Alexi Lala says. And mm-hmm. that's also what I loved what Twelman said. And just to pull um, a little quote from the uh, Twitter sphere from yeah. our good friend Doug Robertson mm-hmm. over at uh, the AJC. Mm-hmm. He says... Tony Pullis, referring to a coach who I have not heard of before, he says, defense, counterattacks, and set pieces gets most out of least. He should be considered for next U.S. men's national team manager. And in all due respect, gets the most out of the least. If that doesn't sit right with you, I mean, like, I just... I don't agree. Like, is that really the state that we're in? We're looking to get a coach that can make the most out of the least? Yeah. No, 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 no. Billions of dollars are spent every year for this youth system. The entire system. I, I, I don't know. Well, yeah, and, I mean, and I'm, I will say in regards to the fact that there's really no huge soccer sports media establishment in the U.S., I think we're getting there. We are in somewhat of a transitional period because you got to imagine that this is really the first generation of ex-players that that were successful enough and experienced enough 
to go on air and speak with any sort of authority. Before that, you know, there the U.S. didn't have that much success, and there there wasn't this twenty four hour news cycle that X players could go into. Yeah, you know, and there wasn't the appetite in America for soccer. Now you have. You know, Fox Sports 1 broadcasting the Bundesliga. Uh, of course, the Premier League is essentially America's first league. Um, so it, we're getting there. But it needs to, it needs to get even more but intense. It, yeah, but how long are we going to say that? How long are we going to say five years from now, ten years from now? Well, that's true. And I, I think we've been the, saying it forever. Like, like, since I can remember playing soccer, I've always been waiting for the U.S. national team to do something. And it's always mm-hmm. been... Oh, soccer's growing sport. We're gonna have the World Cup. We're gonna do this and that in ten years. It's always well. I'm separating the play, the U.S. Soccer Federation from the media, okay, and saying that we just need a little bit more time, literally for the players to retire and get into the system. Right. And obviously, guys like you and me, we don't help the problem. <laughs> you we, know, I mean, amateurs we, coming on air. We but. we don't help the problem, but in a sense, I think we do help the problem. And one of the problems well, we do, yeah, being we creating get, awareness. Exactly. You know, like exactly. Yeah. The, with these, and that's what I reference is these people that are just watching the World Cup every four years because it's like this yay trendy thing to do, uh, like soccer. It's it's ridiculous, mm-hmm. honestly. It it really is, and it makes it even more ridiculous after we lose a game like this. Mm-hmm. But that being said, um. There is a little bit of upside with the uh, the youth team. There is the U seventeen youth team. Um, they're in India right now, and is it two or three Atlanta United youth academy players are over there right now? I I want to say three. I want to say, say it is three. I, I, I'm is it the sure. keeper? Is the keeper also an Atlanta United possible. guy? But I know we got Chris Goslin and, and, and Andrew, uh, Andrew Andrew Carlton. My boy obviously. Andrew Carlton. Who, Andrew? I love you, man. But I'm just gonna go out and say it. Have I said this on air before? No, you haven't. I I really need you to stop liking all these pictures of girls, because I, if any of you use Twitter, you know that you can see your followers' likes. Yeah. And I, I keep seeing tons of high school girls' senior <laughs> pictures on our on our feed, and it's just so unnecessary. He's a I ladies mean, man. I know. I understand he's 17. He's got to do what he's got to do. But anyway, yeah, they're having a lot of success. Two wins against mm-hmm. India and Ghana. Correct. Um, Goslin has has he netted a goal? He's got a couple of assists. Yeah, yeah. Carlton yeah. definitely has a goal. He does. He had the the nail in the coffin, if you will, against against India. Um, played very well. And then Chris Goslin against Ghana. I saw a stat also coming from yes. the Twitter. 96 of 105 on passes. So he made 105 passes, completed 96 of them for 91%, which I thought was extremely impressive. Um, Looking forward to see him develop and maybe getting him in the starting 11 for the five stripes. A, Alex. um, Very, very good production from both. Yeah, that was... And it's funny you mention that because I recently... Yesterday wrote uh, an article for the blog that right. gained some traction on Reddit and Twitter about who could potentially replace Miguel Amarone. And one guy commented, and let me let me bring it up so I can read it verbatim. <laughs> but it was funny. He said, nobody even talks about Carlton. All you blankers 
blank me the blank off. <laughs> and a lot of people commented, they're like, look, he's going to be here either way. He has time to develop. He doesn't need to fill yeah. Almarone's shoes immediately. But he's certainly one for the future. Abs- and Goslin as well. Absolutely. And I have high expectations for the young age. You have. You've, I, you've yeah, said I'm, some. And, I, and I'm, I'm preparing myself to go ahead and make this comment public. Put your skin on the line. I will. You know, Andrew Carlton is a great player, and I think he mirrors Christian Pulisic in a lot of ways. Yeah. That being said, I think he brings a bit more flair and excitement to the game than Christian Pulisic does. And I know, bold statement. Christian Pulisic is, is, a, is a very, very skillful player, great with his weak foot. Mm-hmm. But, but I'm seeing Carlton do these flicks and tricks that I don't see Pulisic trying to do, and I think it's that confidence that makes him... Ha- makes him have the potential to be a bit more of an exciting player to watch than Christian Pulisic, which is which is impressive in itself. I think he's come out and said that Ronaldo is his inspiration. Yeah. And, and honestly, Ronaldo is inspiration for a lot of people, but it, you can see that evidence itself in Carlton's play. Yeah. Also, you know, maybe it's arrogance, but after he scored his goal against India, he goes out and he tells all the Indian fans to go home. He's, you know, doing the... Uh, hand across the neck like it's over now i don't really think many of those indian fans had too much interest in the outcome of that game <laughs> yeah. i mean it, at the end of the day it is a u17 world cup but right. still but i call mean, it call it cockiness whatever at, you kind of like to see that from your players oh absolutely i you may be kind of but me absolutely i love mm-hmm. to see it because confidence is what makes those kind of players those kind of players like they're doing those flicks and tricks because they think they can do them in the first place. Yeah. Um, but yeah. <laughs> Someone just commented on the article. It's probably important to remember in regards to Miguel Amaron that any rumors regarding any player in Arsenal are probably not real. It's a scientific <laughs> fact and statistical anomaly that Arsenal have been linked with 70% of the world's population. <laughs> Oh, wow. That's actually an interesting fact, but I wouldn't be surprised. I like that. Uh, That's brutal. Props go out to user Chris Crop. That was funny. Well, we should bring it back to Atlanta United because it's sort of a tale of two cities with Atlanta United and the U.S. men's national team. It was the the best of times. It was the worst of times. You know, Atlanta United in great position. Still possible for them to clinch that second place spot, take it away from the New, um, from New York City FC and give us a first round bye which would be huge so what are your expectations as far as the starting lineup is concerned you think they're going to rest players you think they're going to be starting the full 11 what do you what are you looking for out of this match well you know that's a great question we're playing the Red Bulls this Saturday the 15th or is it Sunday I I get so confused with my weekend days it's all it Greek is. to me at it a certain is. point. Sunday is the 15th. Okay. So this Sunday we're pl- taking on the Red Bulls, who are primed. They're coming off a um, great win against Vancouver, 3 nothing that clinched their playoff berth. And what's his name? Daniel Royer, who was hurt for a lot of the season for them, or at least since July, I believe, is back. And he's he's really the heart of that attack. And he scored against Vancouver. He scored the opening goal. Him, Bradley Wright Phillips, Sasha, um, Clayeston, they're nothing to laugh at. And they were the first team we ever played, and they were our first loss. Now, that wasn't you know, a lopsided loss, but I think that Tata's not going to take this team lightly. No, he knows what's at not. stake. 
He wants that first round by because that's all important given that the first round of the MLS playoffs is a knockout 1v1, 3v6, 4v5 playoff game. And we were talking about this in the car on the way over. The MLS is a league of incredible parity. So on any given day, on any given match day, one team can come out and just have that little bit of extra pizzazz, that little bit of extra gumption, mm-hmm. and beat the other team. Mm-hmm. I mean, all it takes is one fluke shot, really. Yeah, and that's what's a little... Well, and we know all too well after that Trinidad and Tobago Yes, um, <laughs> we do. We've, we've already been over that. Anyways, I think you should see Atlanta United come out and give them their absolute best shot. And that's what makes me feel comfortable about Atlanta United going forward in the playoffs is... Because there is this bit of fortuity in regards to the MLS, I think they that because our offense is constantly scoring goals, it's a little bit more comforting than if they were more of a defensive side that would just mm-hmm. be laying back and getting pounded on by a more offensive team. <laughs> but honestly, I'm just I I'm I'm confident moving forward. We get Miguel Almiron healthy. We come in with a full eleven. I'm really confident that we can make power moves in these playoffs absolutely 100 percent. i would say sunday expect to see the full starting lineup save for miguel amarone so that means joseph gressel Assad, carmona lorinowitz vialba parkhurst walks lgp and is if garza's healthy I, I actually am not up to date on his injury status but Hopefully we see him slot in there right back. <sighs> it's going to be exciting. It's going to be very exciting. I want to see us get that second second place spot. I think that'd be nice going in first season. Yeah, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to make one of these playoff games. Oh, 100%. That'd Do be a little tailgate. Well, and action. you know, the, the MLS playoffs work sort of weird. I'm pretty sure the first round happens, and then there's a big break in November. Interesting. And then it comes back in December. Hmm. And, um, yeah, there's a lot of talk about changing that. So we'll see yeah, if that continues. that's kind of interesting. I don't know. Anyway, Atlanta United squaring off against the New York Red Bulls this Sunday the 15th. Then next Sunday the 22nd against Toronto FC to close out the season. You got a, you got a peach of the week, Ethan? I know there was no Atlanta United oh, play. Man. And a disappointing national team. You know what? I do, have a, team. Of, I do mm-hmm. have a peach of the week. I'm going to give it to my boy Mo Salah, Mohamed Salah. Yes, for putting in that clutch PK to qualify the Egyptian national team for their first World Cup, I believe. First in 28 years. Yeah, first, in, first in a while, but you like to see that Liverpool netting, Liverpool 100%. boy netting that home. Um, so yeah, he's, the, he's a legend he is. in Egypt. I was reading in or a comment from an Egyptian Redditor, and he said that pretty much every bar, every cafe... And Egypt has Liverpool on, you know, yeah, whenever they're yeah. playing. Because he's just he's he's the first Egyptian player of note in some time. Oh yeah. To really be at that level. He's good. Yeah. He's mm. very good. And my boy, shout out my boy Michael Labib, the even... Egyptian heritage. He was ecstatic that Egypt made it through. So maybe maybe that's a second team for us to root for. You never know. Absolutely. My pitch of the week is not a person, but actually an initiative. It's the open goal project, which 
Um, here's their mission statement to create opportunities for players from low income families to play travel soccer, to provide resources that empower those players and families to navigate the cost associated with playing and to use soccer as a vehicle for cultural enrichment and life experiences. This is something that goes a long way in solving the problems that we've just talked about that face youth soccer. Um, eventually I'd like to see the whole model flipped on its head to where the clubs are paying for development again it's it's not as clear-cut as being in a smaller country like england we've got 325 million some odd people there's a lot more youth that want to play Mm -hmm. but this open goal project is a step in the right direction so props to them i i know that there's a bunch of professionals who have pledged their support i can't find or think of them right now but good on you Good on you, Open Goal Project. Absolutely. Should we do Marco Golo? Marco Golo. Go around the world? We already talked about it last week because we totally forgot that it was the international break. But Liverpool-Manchester United this Saturday at 7.30. Absolutely. Uh, Speaking of uh, Mr. Salah, it's going to be Mr. Salah versus Ashley Young uh, this weekend will be an interesting one-on-one matchup also how Matic and Coutinho fare in the midfield as well as Lukaku and that sketchy Liverpool defense yes and I think we're actually without Dayon Lovren if I'm not mistaken is that, is that so yeah I I could be wrong uh, but he's been problematics this season I, I don't know maybe that's maybe that's good maybe not we could have Clavin um slot in with Matt Tip. I think we're also without Klein still yes. and um gosh who else someone up to ah Sadio Mane which yeah, is going to be big, big. he that injured his big. hamstring playing for Senegal so we'll have to see Coutinho uh fill in for that production from from Mane maybe some brilliance from the Brazilian exactly. it'll be important though for Liverpool this needs to be an emphatic win we're we're sort of sluggish. Yeah, right. That, out of the not game. much consistency we're sitting in seven from them. Absolutely. So not. that'll that'll be big. Other headlines. We always love to check out the weird headlines from around the world. First one: Tim Cahill, obviously Australia legend, thirty-seven years old, scored two goals to um, secure serious spot or secure Australia spot in the playoff that unfortunately the U.S. would have played in had Panama or Honduras not won. So sad to think about, but more controversially, after his goal, he did this weird sort of tea celebration that, you know, no one knows what it means until afterwards, an Australian travel agency, Tripago, posted a picture of him and said, love to see our new brand ambassador, Tim Cahill, doing the Tripago celebration. It was just, he's faced a lot of fire. I mean, dude. That's, that's yeah. That's I think that's, that's disgusting. Sell out. You hate to see it. Yeah, I'm. Mm-hmm. I, I don't like. Have that some one, integrity, Cahill. Yeah, that's dumb. Fantastic goal the last World Cup though. Remember that one where they lofted it in and he just. Oh first yeah, time yeah. Uh, the, yeah. Australia was an interesting one to watch. They for were, sure. and they might still be if they. I guess they'll play Honduras coming up. Unfortunately. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Elsewhere. Niger's U17 youth national team was looking pretty fishy. They're on their team sheet. They have seven players who were born on January 1st of 2000 or 2001. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds yeah. like some uh, United States youth soccer 
sketchness exactly. there for you. Like, oh, no, no, no. I promise. He was born. He was born today. He was born today. <laughs> and then he hands you his birth certificate and it says, I, don't know what I that am accent was. 15. Yeah, I'm 15. Yeah. And written in green crayon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what was that? Field of... No. No, no, no. That's uh, Benchwarmers. Benchwarmers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Great movie. And rounding that out, Robert Kraft, who we roasted a couple of episodes ago for not caring about the MLS enough, now says he wants to buy a Premier League team. And... I also heard that he's going to paint football lines on the pitch. Um, really? Well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Hey, great way to wa- raise awareness of the NFL, yeah. Mr. Kraft. <laughs> we respect you. Anyway, that's all we've got for this episode of Peach and Pitch. Follow us on Twitter at Peach and Pitch, and we'll be back next week, same time, same place. Thank you, guys. I've been Alex Bregan. And I'm Ethan Montague. See ya.